Club. Book Club. Book Club. Book Club. Book Club. It's reading aloud. We have another book club. I have some friends here waiting on John Ross Bowie who may be stuck in traffic. He may not show up. Who knows? Let's roll the dice. I hope he's all right. I hope he's okay, too. Um, Sam is here. He's engineering and producing. Hey, Sam. Hey! And uh, we have two gentlemen across the table from me. Um, So imagine that, listeners, in your mind's eye. Mm. This is a very handsome podcast. Uh, Sam is a handsome guy. Mm. Nelson Franklin is a handsome guy. That's true. And John Forrest is a handsome guy. Ah, Both of these guys um, have been a part of the Reading Aloud live show. Um, and now they're joining the book club for the first time. Welcome, fellas. Thank you. Thanks a lot. Nice uh, to be here. Yeah. yeah. Did you read um, Richard Price's The Whites? No. <laughs> Neither did I. <laughs> so I like let's that. just make up. <laughs> it's about a bunch of cops. It's called The Whites. It's a white supremacy yeah. handbook. It's a, <laughs> it's a KK. No, it's about a bunch of. It's about a bunch of cops who are trying to find the best Chardonnay in the city. (laughs) (laughs) And it's nine pages long. And then they find it at Nobu. The end. (laughs) And that's our show. Um, Pino. The the Whites is written by Richard Price, a.k.a. Harry Brandt. For some reason, he's right. We talked about this a little bit in the lobby here at the Earwolf Studios. He's he has a pseudonym, and yet his name is also on the cover of the book. <laughs> yeah, we talk. Wh- why did he choose a, a pseudonym? My limited understanding of his choice was that he wanted to do something purely genre, uh, very straight crime. Right. Not sort of a commentary on American society. This is society, uh, which he's been you know supposedly doing before. And I get about halfway through, he realized since like. Now his life is like pretty stable and he has a good relationship and a family life. It was more about a family story and halfway through it was sort of like, oh, I don't really need this. But he was sort of stuck with it and I guess maybe just to cover his ass, he sent it out. Yeah. The covering the ass is what I understand about the pseudonym. Like maybe if it's like a new genre or something, you want to make sure you're sort of like come out. Oh, it wasn't me. It was this uh, – Right, right. But it's weird that the, it's on the on the on the cover of the book. The two names are a millimeter apart. Why? It makes yeah. no fucking sense. I went, did it come out and first as Harry Brandt and oh, get passed like around? And no. then people were like, "Oh, it's this. Who's this guy?" This came out like a month ago. We're reading first edition copies of this book. Oh. Um, this is the first printing. Yeah, strange. This is. It was always Richard Price writ, written writing as Harry Brandt, and it's mm. and it doesn't make a lot of sense because all of his books are fucking. Uh, crime books yeah. and he's written his um, his resume is pretty fucking insane he's written some amazing things um, yeah. uh, Clockers Lush Life Freedom Land The Wanderers he wrote um, he wrote on The Wire mm. he wrote the script for uh, Color of Money um, so he's like a successful screenwriter and he's and he's uh, writing novels but they're all based on cops and crime I don't see this as a huge I yeah. think he's. I feel like this is ju- exactly the same genre that he's and been I existing think, in. And I saw something because I was watching YouTube and wanted to sound smart today, <laughs> like we discussed. Yep. Uh, I saw something where he <clears throat> kind of realized halfway through, oh no, I write what I write. And so I think he was an in, hmm. his intention was to do something a little more straight genre, right? And covers ass, I think. And then halfway through, realized, oh, you know what? I'm 
the writer that I am and the yeah. story that I'm telling. So yeah. I don't know why it came out with both, but right. that's strange. Very strange. Well, I just wonder if it got passed around to like literary types beforehand to get feedback or something. And then they were like, who the hell is this guy? This guy's great. Oh yeah. yeah it's me. It's me. Yeah. Like once it was right. great, it was right. like, oh, you know, oh, that's me. My yeah. name is Richard Price. <laughs> <laughs> no, I swear, I swear. Here's a picture of me holding the book with the new, today's newspaper. Right. <laughs> <laughs> he looks uh, like Lou Reed's younger brother. He does way. have a very a Lou, Lou Reed. Lou Reedish look to him. Lou Reed Joe Pesci thing. <laughs> yeah, he has a delightful wig, <laughs> <laughs> and he has a bit of a like a Muppetish mouth. Like oh, that wow. mouth is uh, looks like it's made of felt. Does that does that make sense? <laughs> yeah, I totally yeah. get it. I totally. He's sort of got like the half a lemon wedge inside. Y- yes, his, exactly. Yeah, his, like uh, his Brando hand, in uh, right, exactly. Yeah. His hand has a little like stick. Off One of string. Yeah. <laughs> We're really laying into the guy. The book was excellent. The though. book was yeah. delightful. <laughs> Actually, we really shouldn't pick on him. Yeah. To sum up, the book is about um, five cops who were called the wild geese mm-hmm. back in the day for doing their jobs in unconventional ways, but you know, being very successful at policing. And the the title, The Whites, is based off of um, the white whale, which is sort of this mm. this um, uh, antagonist that people have that they always they're always trying to run down and pursue, like a Moby Dick. Um, so they each have one of these whites. Um, someone who's gotten away with murder, who they've been unable to um, bring to justice. And our protagonist, Billy, um, is a cop who um, hilariously swells down Cape Cotters every morning <laughs> to put himself to sleep, yeah. which is a fucking great oh, touch. So great. Mm-hmm. Um, well, he needs someone to come down after all the energy drinks he drinks at night. Yes, yeah, which is his, uh, foolish. Korean bodega guy. Right, yeah. right. June, I believe, is his name. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, he, and he's working the night shift because he was banished there after he had a shootout that went awry earlier in his career where he shot a bystander, a child. And well, he shot a bad guy. The bullet went through him, hit a, right. hit a kid yeah. in the leg. Kid was mostly fine. Mm-hmm. But it came out on the news like, oh, you shot a kid. Right. And, right. and he may or may not have been on cocaine. Yeah. Right. It's debatable, but then he reveals he was super... Super on he cocaine. He was super high on cocaine. Yeah. Um, but that relationship with the reporter is so crazy. Oh, God. I want to... Well, I, let me just ask before we get yes. in. Are we allowed to spoil the book? Oh, the... fuck yeah. Oh, okay, oh okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <clears throat> Absolutely. Excellent. This is full of spoilers. Okay. Um, uh, the des- her description oh, is yeah. so fantastic. You can't help but just feel just awful about <laughs> her and how she looks. I have mm-hmm. it somewhere. Um, what the fuck is it? I have it written on my. Hold on one second. Well, so essentially, what he's done is he's <clears throat> he was really high on cocaine, and this reporter who was like in her you know mid twenties or something was trying to break a big story for the New York Post. So she came out swinging and said he was on cocaine when he shot this little kid, and this is why I should go down. And then it was it came out that her sources were uh, highly right. discredited, and it, it was like she was shamed out of the business, and she's sort of been struggling to live her life ever since. And he's got this thing hanging over his head where where he was high on cocaine. He just managed to pull out of there. And he befriends her, and she thinks, oh, my God, this guilt. poor guy who I've tried to ruin his career is, like, so generous as to now be my friend. Ugh, yeah. Thinking it nothing but just the goodness of his heart. And, in fact, it's just he's just mind guilty as hell. Guilt. Yeah. The description of her is, like, this fantastic, gritty fucking noir. It's on page 80. When B- Billy finally got it up to enter the diner, he spotted her at once, sitting at a booth in the back. Back. North of 40 now, too thin, 
too much wine, too much late night TV, paradiddling an unlit cigarette against the Formica <laughs> and reading the paper that had shit canned her 18 years ago for getting it all wrong about Billy and the shooting. She was wearing a ribbed turtleneck that made her look even bonier than she was and accentuated her slightly scoliotic posture. Her hair, a blonde so ashy that it was impossible to tell how gray it might be turning, <laughs> was pulled back in a short rubber band bound ponytail and her watchful eyes were were, as always, a little too quick, as if she were jonesing for something she couldn't have. She'd been a golden girl once, and she took her tumble hard. Wow, like, man. that is... Wow. I circled that paragraph. I was like, what a fucking fantastic, right. you know, it's ridiculous amazing. fucking description. I mean, her whole journey throughout the story and what you find out, you know, throughout the course about him actually being high... The culmination of that at the very end, when he's a, at the very oh, end of the book, yeah. when yeah. he's about to say, about to tell let's him. go talk, and she knows exactly what he's going to say, yeah. and she's like, can I smoke a cigarette first? And then he thinks to himself, oh my God, what am I doing? I have my family. This is, I can't do this. Exactly. And he says, you know what? Never mind, and just brushes it off. And it's like, I, give, I have chills thinking about it because it's so palpable what's going on, and they both know exactly what they're talking about. Yeah. And then I think she asks him, you know, hypothetically, if you were on cocaine, you know, would you have done anything differently? And he's like, no, absolutely not. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And it's just such a great, I don't know, I just found that such yeah. a great, oh, yeah. poignant moment to cap off their whole thing. That was one of the most uh, suspenseful moments in the whole book. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, me too. Me too. Just to back up a little bit, um, it, it seems like we're all on the same page, but um, John, just your overall take on the book, what, what did you think? I was blown away, like, man. Oh God, I was blown away. Awesome. And I, <clears throat> I haven't really read a lot of you know noirish Neither crime stuff, um, but I found myself from page one totally in. Bought Fuck everything. Yeah. Felt like a fly on the wall in these precincts <laughs> in these late night you know night watch. Just kind of a, the worst. Sounds like just such a depressing gig. Yeah. Um, but he puts you there in a way that you would just intuitively buy. Like, you know, I, uh, not that I would have anything to compare it to, but it, I bought every description, every character. Nothing rang false to me. Every ounce of dialogue. And even the dialogue that was a little heightened and a little too, you know, you wouldn't necessarily yes. imagine to hear some guy saying yes. these turns of phrase, <laughs> these gritty little yes. isms or whatever. And I bought it. I totally bought it. I was like, that's plausible. And yep. I wish I knew someone who talked like that. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Nelson, what's your overall? I also love the book. I, for me, it was especially like when you start reading it, it's super gritty. It reads like a super gritty, like old school crime drama. And I totally thought for like the first couple of pages that, okay, this, so this is what, this is like 1945, 1952 or something. And then he's like, and it totally reads like that. And then he goes into the bodega and he's like, and he starts his night off the way. He always does a pack of cigarettes and like <laughs> a rock star energy drink. And I was like, oh, okay, this is today. Right. Yeah. But it's like so, it, just keeping that theme of like uh, modern day, totally. like Raymond Chandler type of exactly. thing. Exactly. It's like so satisfying. To j- and you, you don't get it all the time because he sort of lives in that old school world. But every once in a while you get something like, oh, you heard. Uh, uh, there was uh, whatever Rihanna on the radio uh, yeah like, yeah just sort of like oh yeah right it's now right um, yeah or all of a sudden he gets a text uh, message and you're like oh yeah, yeah. exactly te- yeah he'll he'll write the texts out and it'll be like you know where the letter R the letter U and yeah. stuff like that I'm like oh man and it's like you can I, I'll let you do that and I won't get mad because totally. it's like so well written yeah, yeah it's like a great bridging of that legacy and bring and up you know just yeah transposing it and like so the first half of the book there's so many good like similes and shit that are like hilarious and then it's sort of you know 
he sort of calms down on the like hilarious wordplay as it gets more intense. But yeah, I, yeah, I found. I mean, to to piggyback on what you guys have said, I found this delightful. I had a blast mm-hmm. reading it. I the only other book of his I've read was Lush Life, which was like four or five years ago, and I read that in like two days. It was fucking awesome, and it's a it's a you know similar. It's the same genre, similar kind of story. This one is a lot bigger and more sprawling. Um, than Lush Life, but the only things that, and but for me, the, the 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 book didn't really kick into gear until I realized that Milton Ramos, oh, yeah. what a fucking, who's <laughs> oh gonna play God. him in the movie? Oh, dude. Um, Milton Ramos wanted to murder Carmen, right? right. Yeah. And then I was like, oh shit, I can't. I literally, I'm gonna take a picture of it and put it on the Twitter page. I wrote at the top of the page, I just wrote, oh shit, because <laughs> yeah. I was so fucking psyched. Well, um, it just. There, Sorry, go ahead. Yeah. I, I just have two little examples. I don't know where that is right now, but it's somewhere around here. Um, where the fuck is it? Oh, it doesn't no, matter. Um, there's there, the one, the two little bits of of dialogue that like made me go, oh, come on. And I I I give it a pass, like you said, Nelson. <laughs> but there are a couple examples I just want to point out that are kind of preposterous. When he goes to see. Um, uh, Red Man to uh, to have him bury the the girl for him because she can't because uh, her family right, can't right, afford right. it. Um, this is page ninety nine. He says so. Essex uh, Essex County Morgue. Red Man began muscling the pant up over the glad bag diaper. The effort making his face bead with sweat. I assume that's out of state. So that's extra. And Billy's response is. You want my easy pass? And I was like, oh boy. And then a couple pages later, he's having a similar conversation, I forget with who, um, some Night Watch guy on page 104. Um, um, He says, uh, the guy who's talking to says, and I'm going to hell. And Billy's response is, I'll sell you my ticket. <laughs> and, All right, yeah. you know what? I give you, I give you, I it's grant fu- you the one hundred four one. I'll sell you my ticket. I, yep. the, you want my easy pass? I, I, yeah, man, that's that cool. Didn't, that didn't. Fair happen. enough. Okay, I'm just, I, I, I'm uh, overly sensitive. To I it. take you at your, I take you at your, your, or I take your point at that last one though. Yeah, there were a couple things here and there, and again, it's like I'm way nitpicking here. Well, yeah, and it's also. The fact that this guy had such a lineage there, I almost could buy stuff like that. It's like, oh, it's from another era. Yeah, totally. If he, if he were, you know, yeah, a younger guy or something, I'd be like, oh, give me a break. Um, I want to talk a little bit about um, the whole the uh, Milton Milton Ramos. Yeah, right. And that, let me just say, yep, <clears throat> it's a really powerful. Like, you know, when you're going through the book, it's like chapter four, chapter five, chapter, and then when it's a Milton Ramos chapter, it just says Milton Ramos. Yes, <laughs> yes. which is like so this, great. This built-in terror mechanism where you yeah. see, and you're like, fuck, oh, it's the crazy guy. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. It's a great fucking choice yeah. by Richard Price to do that. That's such a specific thing. To I think do. the craziest thing about him is that you're introduced to him, and he's so seemingly calm and in control. Yeah. That's the yeah. scariest thing about the yeah, guy. Yeah, it reminded me of what's his name in No Country for Old Men. Oh, uh, yeah. Totally. Like uh, that similar sort of just like, he, he and everyone who describes being around him is creeped out by him. Yeah. Because he doesn't know, he, he doesn't speak, he's just sort of lurking in the fucking shadows. He's an enormous man. He's terrifying looking. I think there's a description about how everyone in the neighborhood was uh, dreaded hearing him say, step out of the car, please. Yeah. Like in a very yes. calm, Yes, yeah, calm yeah, voice. yeah. Because they're going to get beat. And I had to read that description where the where you first introduced to him, uh, there's a drunk in the back seat and he's calling him like a oh, monkey shit, and all this stuff. Dude. And he's like, that... he gets him out of the car and he, I had to read it like seven times Me to too. understand what was happening. Me too. Standing he takes a... his baton, his little yes. like flex baton thing, yep. uh, uh, puts extendable. a, <laughs> folds a, a towel over the guy's throat, places it down, the guy's drunk. He's he's straddling him. 
puts it lengthwise on the towel, steps one foot on it, grabs a branch, puts the other foot on the narrow end, and is basically strangling him with his full body yeah. weight. Yeah. And rocking back like, and forth. Like, you know those, that little toy with kids? It's like a skateboard with a little thing yes. in the middle, and you're yeah. like rolling back and forth. Seesaw thing. He did that seesaw thing. And, that then, dude and then removes it, and you see that there's no visible sign of trauma, which yeah. is like the most badass yeah. thing I've And ever Richard Price, in some of the interviews that I, that I listen to, he talks like he spends a lot of time, obviously. And he's, he's from New York. He's from the Bronx. But he had no, he was like a total, like your typical sort of New York Jewish, like intellectual who went to Bronx science and had nothing to do with the police, was never in trouble. <laughs> but he just started to write about this genre because he's fascinated by what it looks like to be in the back of a police car and where you get to go where uh, police cars go where in places in the city that no one else gets to see mm-hmm. and and I wondered like those kinds of stories like what cop fucking because you can't you don't invent something no like that. that's exactly. gotta be a thing that's, that is that's a totally a thing. thing yeah that's what that was what the most terrifying thing to realize like yeah. oh he's either yeah. heard of this or seen this or yeah it's like that thing I mean he mentions uh, although maybe when, not maybe he's that brilliant I don't know I, I just yeah maybe it struck me as something like oh god people do this all the time he, absolutely he, uh, he thanks Cormac McCarthy in the acknowledgments at the end there and it reminds me of like you know like when in uh, No Country or something like the, a lot of those murders are like super specific the like cow killing oh yeah you know, yeah, the gun, air, like the, yeah 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 the strangling with the handcuffs there's a lot of shit like that where like you know he walks into a murder scene and he goes uh, where's the uh, victim and like what are you blind and it's like the store clerk. Oh yeah, like, the frozen. Oh god, <laughs> that was like, so crazy. And they're taking pictures with me. He sees everyone taking pictures yes. with the guy because yeah. he's just smiling there with like a little bullet hole. Yeah, or the guy, you know, one of the whites who's like jumping the turnstile and freezes like yeah, a dies hurdler. like midair. Yeah, banyan. banyan. Yeah. yeah, these deaths are like so specific. Yeah, uh, and then like. he sees the actual footage, and he was he's his uh, assumption was confirmed that the guy literally goes to jump it and just dies. And yeah. dies midair, mid-air freezes. So it's one of those oh, things where he's like, shit. oh, you couldn't write that. So maybe he could, or maybe it was like he just rifled through a bunch of police files and found these like insane. You know, yeah. I, I think that's just the mark of a great novelist. Probably is so, you never yeah. know what's real and what they're just able to make up with the brilliance of their imagination. Absolutely. I, I, that's what I, agree. I just love so much about it is that he gives you so much that is so grounded that even if there is something that's just a complete You're totally right. You're, you're exactly right. It, it just it there's, reads, you yeah. know, plays. What did you guys think? I had a, I had a real fun time. Um putting together um, with, um, along with Milton Ramos, him doing the math, realizing oh, that he's been hustled by- Oh God. So hard. Marilise. 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 In, in her, as John described it in email, fuck potions. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Which really made me laugh. Him putting that together that she had uh, screwed him oh, over- Devastating. Was so- fu- And then, it, and you know it, that she's like the, the last vestige of like, you know, yeah. possible family life, a possible new mother to his daughter. Yeah. And once she's double-crossed him, you know that like the floodgates are open. There's nothing left. There's, yep. He is- <laughs> exactly. Yeah. He, it's this device where you, you're afraid of this guy and then, oh, he starts to get his life together for a moment and you actually feel bad for this psycho when it goes wrong. And then, and that's when it sort of all dawns on you like, oh, there's nothing. That whole scene, I mean, that whole chapter where it's like she was throwing him for a loop all night long and it was like they were trying something new in bed and yeah. then she called him Milton for the first time and she did all this stuff and then she was like I'm pregnant and I know and then to find out from her he goes to visit her sister and she's like oh why, why would we go to why would she go to Guatemala we're from El Salvador yeah. right and she's like I hope you didn't give her any money uh, I, and I feel like that's how it ends with her yeah. going hope you didn't give her any money and that's the end of that that chapter or oh. paragraph but one of my questions that, and you you guys just answered that was why why does she exist like why is her character written in and you're exactly right I, I mean I, I think Nelson is that it gives you a reason to sympathize with this guy because yeah. you see his heart sort of 
he's he's a sociopath and um He's driven to murder one of the characters that we like. Mm -hmm. uh, and then all of a sudden, and once he was on board with like murdering Carmen, I, was, I, I thought, well, that's all we're going to see. Yeah. And then all of a sudden he falls in love. But I think you're right. It was able to see him have nothing left I also that he think was at. In a way, it's sort of to underscore that he's just doomed. He's a doomed character. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He cannot, right. he, in spite of his best efforts and in spite of his past and in spite of everything, yeah. Try as he may, which is even hard in and of itself, he is just doomed. It never pans out for the guy. Yeah, totally. And it kind of helps sort of justify, you know, it not justify, but it at least provides a rationale in his mind as to why he's doing these crazy things that he's doing. Absolutely. And you can understand the logic of it, whether or not, obviously, you know. It's it makes sense, yeah. but you understand wh where he's coming from. Well, but the scariest part about Milton Ramos for me is when he starts, he's totally just legitimate. He's like just thinking about... When he when he's thinking aloud about what hap what happens to his daughter after he's inevitably killed or put away for his oh, crime, yeah. he's like, "Oh, she'll go to a better. She's going to be with my sister. She's going to go to a better place. It's fine." So and he just keeps telling himself over and over again because there's no option but to kill yes. Carmen. Right. So it's just him just sort of uh, placating himself and like, "Oh, she'll be okay. She'll be fine." It's not right. an option to be like, "Well, just don't kill him." <laughs> yeah. And just be <laughs> with your family. Yes. Right. Not even in the realm. No. Well, of he even goes through that. I think there's. A, I forget the <laughs> yeah. page. What it's on. He's like. Nothing to be done. And it's just, it's yeah. little yeah. italicized little lines, one one below each other. Yeah. Let it go. Yeah. Can't. Yeah. What yeah. else are you going to do? Like, he's, he's, yeah. He's a great character. We're going to yeah. take a very short break and we'll be right back with more reading aloud. We're back. Uh, it's the book club. John Bowie is not here. John Forrest <laughs> is here. Nelson Franklin is here. My name's Nick Cordry. I'm your host. And we had some emails uh, come into the Reading Aloud podcast uh, Gmail account with thoughts on the whites. I wanted to share some of those with you guys right now. Griffin. God bless Griffin. Griffin uh, is really a part of this book club. I'm so glad that uh, you're reading all these books. However, his response was, I learned very quickly that this one wasn't for me. The cheesy misanthropic point of view just made me groan with oh. every disenchanted witticism that the paragraphs <laughs> of police jargon are littered with like oh. candy wrappers. I'd compare the experience to the wire and that everyone around me is deeply engrossed in what I see as a solid wall of babbling. Won't be finishing this one, Ben. Oh, no, Griffin. <laughs> all right, all right. I respect Griffin there, but I know he's going to face a lot of uh, heat for that. I appreciate I respect it. him too. I mean, I, look, I, I think that it, it grabs you right off the bat as like, Absolutely. This is the world, man. Exactly. Take yes. it or leave it. Take That's it what's it. great about Richard Price. Yep. Within a two pages, he's like, this is it. This is the world. And if you're not welcome here and you're not comfortable, have a great day because <laughs> yeah. I'm going to kill 40 people. <laughs> Uh, Matt uh, Seltzer wrote in, uh, he is a, a public school music teacher, and uh, he's tried to turn as many of his uh, English teacher colleagues and friends onto the podcast, so thank you, Matt. Keep, uh, keep spreading the word. Uh, he wrote, every bit of dialogue in the whites was true to the voice and experience of its character and trimmed of fat viciously. Fantastic pick with the whites. It's not a genre I seek out, and I've never read anything by the author, which is... I completely agree with. It's not a genre that I read. Mm -hmm. Some people are so into like mysteries and cop and noir, like that's all they read, which I totally get, but it's not something that I'm drawn to. Uh, Matt continues by saying um, uh, his exploration of the notion of villains is the real takeaway for me. Price leads the reader from the whites to Wilton Ramos, to the wild geese themselves. He ends up pointing a finger at just about everyone. 
Billy Graves and his wife included. It's especially fascinating in the context of our collective soul-searching about several high-profile incidents of police violence in Ferguson and New York City. Uh, thank you so much, Matt, for your point of view. And I wondered if... if I'm assuming he was. This was basically already finished before Ferguson happened. But yeah. I wondered if any of this is inspired. Not that there's. Um, I mean, Billy does accidentally shoot a kid in the street, but yeah. it wasn't because he was trying to. It was. It was. Uh, it wasn't. He wasn't trying to arrest him like a like a one of the Ferguson or like New York City uh, incidents. I wonder if that had anything to do with yeah, with I any mean, of it or no. He follows that through and he mentions that the reason he got divorced from his first wife is because she couldn't deal with all the protesters outside their house. Oh, yeah, 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 right. Sort of the, like, backlash. Oh, yeah, of course. Um, yeah, that whole, yeah, yeah. So he definitely, if he if it didn't, I mean, I trust that he wrote this before Ferguson, but he was very smart to know that that's the kind of shit that happened. Well, I think his yeah. title is accidentally prescient, if nothing else. Yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> Goodness. Ashley uh, writes in, uh, one of my favorite things about this book was that there was literally nothing I was left questioning at the end. Mm. Everything seemed done for a specific purpose. It was very poetic to me in that way, uh, which I, 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 I completely agree with her with the final scene um, being a burial. I thought that was really specific that he had. Because yep. it, it comes full circle. He makes, Billy makes peace with the fact that he has all this information about all of his buddies. He could take it to the police the next day and they would all go away. Yeah. But he doesn't. He, he literally... He figuratively buries it while someone is literally being buried. And I thought that was a very specific choice by Richard Price, that it, the, the book basically ends with a ceremony with saying yeah. we're moving on. Moving on. It's all over, and we're going to put this yeah. Yeah. in Yeah, I didn't the see that coming, actually. I, I really, I don't know. I just, I didn't really know what to expect, but I didn't see him actually letting it slide. Yeah, neither I did I. I, mean, I, the, I didn't either. I was I was looking at how many pages were left in the book. And yeah. I was like, how much time do we have here for him to? It's just going like, to be a, take, a Scorsese montage of them all getting locked up and uh, yeah, exactly, <laughs> just like the last page, all of them <laughs> getting shivved in, in jail. A, yeah, in a fucking. Um, I, one of the things I also love about this book, and it may have turned off other people, is that he doesn't. He assumes that all of his readers know. All of this vocabulary, yeah. like there's so much police vocabulary, oh, yeah. like Taru yeah. and like, yeah, uh, all this CSG shit, Gen Pop and, and the like, yeah. and the Vic, and and he doesn't explain any of it. Yeah, Look, he we, just he's like, I'm assuming all my readers are former policemen, <laughs> and they understand all of this. Yeah, and at first, that. I was it was jarring to me, but then I was like, oh yeah, no, it's. He's assuming that we're on the level, yeah, and I and I totally like it. I admire that too. If in in yeah. terms of uh, what one of your write-in people said about trimming the fat, like just you don't need to <coughs> yeah. explain that. Just this is what it is. Yeah, this is yeah. what they called. Yeah, we Google all Google it. exactly. Yeah. Exactly. There's no one need um, footnotes here. What about that? I was kind of confused about in, a, in a, little, a little way the final, the very final scene with the jewelry store that gets robbed. Why yeah. is that? In, why is that in the it's book? A little I don't know. But it's along the theme that you were saying. Everyone's moving on. He's just like back to square one, and it's like right it, as as good as his life could get is an actual conclusion to a crime happening as minor as it would be. Oh you know? yeah, right. uh, and she says something, and yet it's gonna. They have to file it into evidence. So. Yeah. It is cut and dry. Something was stolen. They brought it back. Yeah. But you can't just hand it back to the person and be yeah. done with it. You have to fucking put into it, and there's all this bullshit you have to deal with. Which I'm sure you can interpret as sort of the theme of the ending. Like, it's like, well, all this stuff happened. It's like, how do we – you can't just go back to normal. His life is now <laughs> filed. Away yeah, right. Into, yeah. I, <clears throat> I mean, 
you yeah. know, it was it was imperfect justice. I think was right. the, was the thing. It was mm. imperfect. Mm. Uh, you yeah, know, they caught the guy in the back seat, but you know, sorry, you had to come down, and we're gonna have to catalog all this stuff. And she's like, oh, who would do such a thing? Well, you know, we're gonna have to vouch all this. Sorry. You know, the whole, he did the very last line, he decided it was a reasonably happy ending. I mean, yeah. it's yeah. about imperfect justice, I think. You yeah, know? And, and yeah. That's perhaps why. I, you know, I was a little miffed by the fact that Milton didn't kill anybody. Um, t- tell me if this bothered mm. you at all. Like, when, mm-hmm. he, when he found Marilis and her boyfriend, he just sort of was like, fuck you, and left. And yeah. then, he, then he didn't kill Carmen or any member of the family. Yeah. While it was like hmm. you sighed a sigh of relief, it was also like, what was all this building up to? Yes, um, he was built up as a as a murderous sociopath who's yeah. gonna, who would kill anyone in his path. <clears throat> and you you wanted him to kill Marilis at some juncture, I guess. I I, mean, yeah, I, I was surprised that he let her. He walked out of that. Same here. Same but here. I, I guess that's sort of more about human psychology and stuff. I suppose that's just a commentary yeah. on his like journey as a character too, where right. it's like you know this is his past, and you expect him to follow exactly yeah. the dictates of his past and then he doesn't and it's like oh yeah. is he changing even though he's on his way to go murder a family like is he actually changing right. that and scene then, is go ahead yeah when 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 he finally you know says that he's got the gun out and he's like Carmen why did you do it why did you get my family killed essentially and, and her explanation was like <laughs> I was just a kid and he, he like bummed me out I was like 14 and I just wanted to like I just I was bummed because he made fun of me at school. And yeah, my sweater. I have my sweater is yeah, cool or something. My sweater is fly. My sweater is fly. Yeah, so well written. I love oh, dialogue. It's and, so fucking good. So you're thinking, oh, maybe he's gonna realize, oh, it was just a kid. Why am I? But you don't really get the sense that he's come around to that. He's just still crazy. And I figured, man. Yeah, that's yeah. a great. His realization, like it kind of hit him, like, oh, of course, you were fifteen. Just a kid, yeah. Yeah, yeah right. And yeah. and then he turns and walks out the door. He's got that death gets, by police. Yeah, holy <laughs> shit! That that's that scene is like oh god, fantastic. that scene where, where he's sitting on the couch with uh yeah with Billy's the kid, son. Uh, the kid falls asleep. still falls asleep oh, on his amazing. shoulder. Yeah, how fucking great is <laughs> that? I of course, um, Scott Rudin has already uh, bought really? the rights to this, oh, and they're oh, producing no the, the feature version. I was my question as I was reading it. I was, <laughs> I like, was yeah. like, can I adapt this? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, Scott Rudin beat you to the punch. Yep. But uh, yeah, I wonder who they'll have. Um, I was like trying to because I saw this as a movie vividly. Oh, absolutely. In my brain. Immediately, you get he that. paints he's his detail is so good and so specific. I saw it all. I'm props. Probably too unimaginative, but all I could see for Billy was Michael Chiklis. <laughs> <laughs> I saw someone more like traditionally handsome who like used oh, yeah. to be the quarterback or something. That's sort of like a Bruce Willis thing going on. Yeah, like, yeah. Sort of like a oh, I see him younger. Current see... age. Oh, no, yeah. He yeah. was younger, but uh, <clears throat> the initial description is that he's got something about his cellophane like a cellophane wrinkled gaze or something like that. Oh, shit. Where he's yeah, just yeah. so beat down that he looks way older than he. He's only like huh. 44 or some 42 or something. But yeah, he looks something. like he's aged 20 extra years. Yeah. One of the characters that I also love, and I want to read a brief passage about him, which is to me one of the highlights of the book, was his, um, was his father who's uh, suffering from, I don't know if it's dementia or... Alzheimer's, yeah, some kind of dementia. Because he's he's there and then he's not. So I don't. Or maybe that is Alzheimer's. I don't know. Yeah, exactly. Because doctor, he's, doctor Franklin. Yeah, I think it's Alzheimer's. <laughs> I, think. <laughs> uh, I think so. I, I'm always moved. Like whenever this happens in a TV show or like a movie, it's I I'm fucking 
all in when the the absent-minded father or mother like has that moment of clarity mm-hmm. i like who's been like shitting their pants and you know yeah. <laughs> destroying a room and like eating fucking deodorant and then all of a sudden he's like <laughs> i love you son and it's like oh good there's this amazing pack uh, a passage when he it's toward the end of the book in page 245 um or sorry, 244, where he's where Billy is really struggling with what to do with all this information. He's he's slowly putting it together that all these friends of his, the wild geese, have all murdered each other's whites. And what what, what does he do with that? Back home, Billy headed upstairs to take another shot at sleep, past his father's open bedroom door, and wandered in. Billy Sr. lay on his bed, fully dressed for a change, but snoring, flayed sections of the New York Times scattered around him on the bedspread. Taking a seat at the small desk his father had brought with him from his last home, Billy scanned the spines of the books that lined the top shelf. Beside the old man's poets were luridly written original guides to 19th century New York City, a first-person account of the Civil War draft riots of 1863, a hardback reissue of 1866 Professional Criminals of America, and three fat novels about Ireland written by Thomas Flanagan, two of which Billy had actually read and somewhat enjoyed. Which is catching your eye, Billy Sr. murmured from the bed. Dad, you know me, Billy blushed. The dummy act doesn't become you, Sr. said. I've been telling you that since you were a kid. You know me, Billy unthinkingly repeated, then catching himself. Must be an echo in here. What's on your mind? Why does something have to be on my mind for me to come visit? (coughs) Billy Sr. quietly waited him out, his eyes unwavering, reducing his son as in the old days to a bucket of tells. Dad, let me give you a hypothetical situation, he began, then faltered. If you knew that a certain friend crossed the line, which line? The legal line, and you were having a real problem looking the other way. Flat on his back, his father frowned at the ceiling. Is this friend on the job? Billy didn't answer, which was answer enough. How good a friend is he? Like a brother. And I'm going to skip to the end because this is getting, this is getting too far. <coughs> but, Excuse um, me for coughing, sorry. No, that's all right, man. Uh, his father propped himself up with a second pillow. You have to understand, my son, the summer of 64 was red hot uptown, and this Cochise individual had more enemies than a Roman Empire. The squad pretty much went through the motions of looking into it for a few days, but nobody really gave a damn, and then a lieutenant from the 1-9, Tom Gilligan, shot and killed a 15-year-old black kid in the street, and we had almost forgotten, and we had almost a week of riding on our hands, so the pimp was totally forgotten. Johnson's partner didn't say anything? I can't say what it's like now, but back then you looked the other way, always. How about the partner? What happened to him? The old man was so long in answering that Billy almost repeated the question. Looking back after all those years, his father finally said, he could have been a better father to his kids, maybe a better husband to his wife, but other than that, looking Billy in the eye now, he sleeps like a rock. (laughs) And that fucking description is, that whole scene, I just was so, I put my fists in the air Mm -hmm. after that one because I thought it was such a great. It's also what Billy's, modeling his choice on in yeah. a lot of ways too. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. It's all sort of tied into the same thing. Um, do you think uh, this, the heart of this book, so much of it is about like vigilante justice and I wondered like if you think that Price is on board with vigilante justice. Do you think, huh. did, are these people portrayed Here, as heroes? Here's or? why I think at best he's ambivalent and <laughs> probably he's not on board. Um, yeah. One example, when, he, when, when uh, Billy goes to see Curtis Taft, his wife, and he's in the hospital and he just had some kind of surgery, yeah. he talks about the people that he killed and got away with killing. Yeah. And he basically says, you know, you know as far as I'm concerned, they're all, he, he just had surgery because he had a, an, an ulcer. Yeah. And uh, he <coughs> says, as far as I'm concerned, they're all in there. 
And and he talks yeah. about how when they when he dies and they cut him open, all they're going to find is teeth marks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the yeah, fact yeah. that this thing, li- these people now live inside of you, and they're eating you out from the inside. Yeah, eating yeah. You out. Sorry, I mean, <laughs> no, they eat you they're out. They're eating you out. Yeah. yeah. No, but they're eating you from the inside, and and uh, he quotes the Bible about this guy who was possessed by a legion of demons, and uh, it oh, just yeah, got, yeah, it got yeah. real intense. And that yeah. whole that whole sequence actually is really cool, I think, because. Then he runs into the guy's wife in the lobby and starts yeah, harassing her. And yeah. she's like, I work for a Christian organization. Yeah. You have no like a, right to talk to me like this. She has a baby cat. Uh, she's yeah. like pushing a it's baby stroller. The flip-flopping of good, by, good guy, bad guy thing. She died. I think it's way too murky for him to be totally on board with. I think he's... Yeah. Because he's got a lot of guilt. Because during that exact scene, <clears throat> he says a lot of stuff like, he, his mind started racing. He started sweating because he knew he was just grasping his straws. He had nothing, and he didn't like it on himself to be there, you know, taunting this guy. Right. Um, and I think also the same reason why none of them wanted to include them in their sort of strangers on a train plan because they knew he was too uh, uh, moral to like go along with it. You know what I mean? Right. That was, that was just what I assumed that none of them brought him all on board. Yeah, because uh, they knew that he would have a problem. Yeah, you're and yeah, so, totally. As the hero of the story, <clears throat> as the protagonist of the story being a guy who was like actually got some sort of and he was going to sell out his friends too because he believes that strongly in the actual yeah so, so maybe so maybe there is a you know he certainly makes the vigilante justice fun but maybe he's not actually un- I don't know I, mean, I think he I think he leaves it unclear right? yeah it's, I mean that's kind of like his characters too he's not going to tell you who's a good guy and who's a bad yeah, guy yeah, yeah, he's not yeah, going to yeah. tell you who to like and who not to like he's going to yeah. tell you who you they know, are? Who they are? And it's in up a, to you in to make three dimensional way as possible. And yeah, you make your decision. I had a little bit of a hard time believing that Carmen, because she was so haunted by what had happened, that she never shared it with I, Billy. I Crazy. found that a little. Tough I found to, it a little tough to 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 buy. Yeah. Um, I mean, essentially, she, when she says it at the end of the book, or when they finally have, have the talk. She's just like, yeah, I just I just killed three people, and that's what I've been dealing with every day. Yeah. Um, so well, you know, I guess the only reprieve would be what the case that Billy makes there, which is you did not pull the trigger. Those yep. guys who went up pulled the trigger. Right. Yep. And so perhaps that's the quandary in her mind all these years is like, you know, how culpable am I? And also a great thing that Richard Price is a great question that he's asking, like, is it the same? Like, yeah. right. all these people yeah. right. are haunted for different reasons. Even though she knew exactly what they were there to do, yep. Yep. Yeah. Is, it, is it the same as yeah. actually pulling the trigger? Yeah. Does she deserve to have that guilt, Does you know, as, as opposed to someone who actually pulled the fucking trigger? Yeah. And then there's, are that, they, there's that added guilt where they see her on the steps, the two henchmen, and they're like, oh, should we kill her? And then they don't kill her. Yeah. She's got that on her mind, too. Like, why am I alive? You right, know, exactly. You know, the guilt of shit, getting you know. away with it. Yeah. yeah. The guilt of getting away with it, you guys. Yes. <laughs> yeah, that's the <laughs> subtitle of the book. <laughs> <laughs> That's the Harry Brandt section. The unexpected, <laughs> yeah. I, 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 one of the recurring themes also in this book that kept on coming up, so many characters, um, I have it written down here. Uh, oh, maybe I typed it up. Uh, yeah, I typed it out. So many of these characters have fucking terrifying nightmares. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone has issues with the dreams, with, with Yasmin or Milton Ramos or Carmen. So many of these people are tossing and turning with these horrifying nightmares. And I don't know if that's just all of them negotiating their own guilt, yep. but it's like this recurring theme that 
Price keeps on giving these people terrible nights. I don't think there's a character who gets a good night's sleep in this book. <laughs> Absolutely. Besides well, no, the father. Well, no, Carmen does after she confesses oh, to yes, yeah, She right. sleeps for like two days. Yeah, yeah. she yeah. sleeps for 13 and he hours. Said, and he makes a comment about how that's always the, always the way it is with, with murder confessions. Yes. They have the yes. best night's oh, sleep of their God. life. That was a great fucking, oh, God, what a great yeah. little piece. Yeah. Oh, that was such a great little sentence. I, I love oh, so Go ahead. I was just thinking about that, how everybody's sort of miserable in this book. And when you sent the email to us saying, oh, this is the day we're going to do book club and you said oh why does red man son have that little tube going into his little body <laughs> yeah. that's when I realized first of all you said little boy body which is the only time he I've does have a little boy yeah. body I, what what came to mind for me is that <laughs> that little boy is the only happy character in the book he just oh. sort of rolls around. No, his it. kids. Billy's kids are happy, too. They're are always they? playing soldier. They seem like psychos to me. They are <laughs> kind of psycho. They seem like they're always beating the fuck out of each yeah, other. Yeah, they're like cartoon characters just hitting each other in the face and stuff. But maybe they, maybe you're right. I mean, but they go through some major shit at the end of the book and that's stuff. True. Right? Yes, that's true. <laughs> Where they're in like, a hostage situation. Yeah, right. <clears throat> I don't know, but there's a, there's no, that. You're right. That's a good point. That kid yeah. is, is <laughs> one of the you know most, you know, Happy I think you're right. I think he might be the only he'll character feeding tube or whatever, but he'll, he'll grow out of it. He's running right around. Else. He's having a good time, and he doesn't care that he's that his dad that he's he just yeah. spends most of his time wandering around dead bodies. Yeah. and uh, oh yeah. god, that there was one I moment that character red man. Yeah, when be... someone was going up to him like talking shit about like the lawyer, the lawyer. How's oh. a great scene? How the face, how how the body looks, how the how oh the, oh right that right. scene when they're like, why does his hair look like that, and why does why does his hands like that? His face never looked that way because that's John like Junior's funeral, right? Yeah, I think. So. Oh, maybe yeah, maybe that that's what it there was. There was no, there was. What a, is the law, what's the lawyer scene? The lawyer scene. That he's at uh, the funeral of some gangbanger, and they're all wearing. I, that was another detail I loved. They're all wearing oversized shirts with the guy's oh, face on. Yes, it. yeah, that was a great great and, detail. And yeah, the guy who's incredible. representing the family comes in and just because he sees him all the time because he's always burying this guy's clients or people associated with this guy right and he's just kind of I, I, I don't know do you have the thing there? I have it right here yeah I mean Redman hates this lawyer because he's just sort of capitalizing on this gang violence and stuff yeah I'll read this little, I, I marked it because of this lawyer joke that I, made me laugh out loud because he there's some really smart comedy in this book and here's I'll just read this really fast Redman says you rep that piece of shit too Redman grunted to Antoine Davis Bay, who had materialized in the doorway of the cubicle. Black and poor, Davis Bay said, winking at Billy. Black and poor, huh? That's an $8,000 casket, and his people paid in cash. You're up, you're down. See how they're doing six months from now. Tossing Billy a second wink as if getting Redman's goat was everyone's idea of fun. Hey, you know what they call 400 lawyers chained up and thrown into a volcano, Redman said. Hey, guys, Billy said. And then it, they drop. There's no punchline to that joke. Yeah. And you just like leave it up to you because it's already fucking funny. Yeah, yeah. You know what they call 400 lords chained up at throwing a volcano. And the punchline is going to be like, oh, like a fucking a good idea. picnic or something. Yeah. A good start yeah, but, or whatever. Yeah. But just they just move away from that joke. And I just love it so much. I laugh so hard because it's like a hundred. <laughs> write your own joke there. It's like he did yeah. all the groundwork for you. Yeah, no, yeah. he's really, uh, really funny. That yeah. scene, which is sort of a forgotten scene because it, it doesn't deal with the with – the, uh, the, the forward motion of the book when, when one of the kids gets in a fight at school and they have to go see the teacher because oh. he was one of the planets and he was Uranus. Oh, right, right. <laughs> and, and the, and the, and the wife like, is like, don't you fucking yeah. dare. You, you know some kids exactly. going to say Uranus. And it's not even a planet. And then yeah. he's uh, like that. And, <laughs> so and, he's, and then there's a line where, um, where Billy says, Carm, no, and I forget how it's described, but that like, She's never going to hear him. It doesn't even matter. But he's just going to fucking say it anyway. Like, please stop. And she just plow. Like, who the fuck are you to ask if my kid, if I we lay hands on our child? It, that whole fucking scene was so f 
was really fucking really, funny. Really, really And funny. it came out of nowhere. Yeah. Another thing, just in terms of his comedy and these peripheral characters who are all so freaking awesome as far yeah. as I'm concerned. The crackhead who they interview on, I think it's page 120. Oh, she walks in uh, to the crime scene that they're at. This girl's been shot. And she's like, oh, hey, I forgot my purse. She sees her dead friend and faints. And then you find out that she was in the room when she was shot. She's just forgotten it. Right. And then at the end of the scene, she's going describing the guy who had come in, what he looks like, you know, you know, who he is, yeah. blah, blah, blah. And then, uh, is it Feely, the older the older guy? Uh, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. He says Great to character. Supak, who's the younger girl interviewing this guy, he's like, he's like, hey, Patricia, you know, uh, what does he say? Uh, before you go, you don't happen to know the kid's name, do you? And she's like, oh, yeah, Eric uh, Cienfuegos. He lives upstairs in apartment 11C. And, like, she's just spent, like, the past <laughs> three pages interviewing about who the perp is. Yeah. Didn't even ask his name. Yeah. That that character, Philly, is what a great fucking yeah. little, one of I those great that. characters on the, you know what, another great scene that, again, is so small in the very beginning was when that, that Olympic athlete lost, he thought he'd oh had my God. his, his uh, gold medal genius. was stolen. Yeah. Oh, my God. And his girlfriend's been hiding it on him because he'll fucking yeah. sell it. For, it. For, and for, she's like, I'm sorry they sent you. Most of the cops know that we just play hide and seek with it. Yeah. <sighs> What a fucking brilliant little touch. Like, where the fuck did that come from? That's like, you know, that's How like 10 he... pages. And it's just like, this is a good idea. Or yeah, the, yeah, yeah. Or the guy, the athlete who was, thro- who was, who basically abused his tiny infant child and claimed that he was throwing oh, her God. up in the air. Yes. And Billy wow. finds out all this info. Breaks and he's like, down. you know, my, you know, what my son says about you, he says, you're the best ball handler that's ever lived, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, so I just have one question. If you're the best ball handler, what are you doing? Throwing your daughter up in the oh, kitchen. That was a great fucking scene. Yeah. He just looks down. And, and he just crying. looks down and he starts crying. Oh, yeah. brilliant. Oh man. What a fucking amazing, amazing fucking scene. Those little scenes that don't drive the force of the book, but yeah. just add another it shade It adds so much. Color. You just, it just makes you lulled into, you totally... I totally, maybe Griffin didn't, but I totally bought every yeah. ounce of yeah, this world. Yeah, same here. Yeah, here's, same one of the, here's, here's one of Griffin's favorite lines. He's <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> uh, talking about the guy who was hurtling over the turnstile and died in midair. Never seen anything like it. Apparently, he just bled out in mid-flight. Came down like a shop sign. Exsanguinated. Makes my job easier. Not mine. I had me a blood trail as long as a Nantucket sleigh ride. That oh, was one. Dude, when I first heard that, I was like, <laughs> I. that was one thing that actually took me out. I was like, is that a thing? <laughs> and having grown up in New England, should I know what that is? Yeah, what is a Nantucket sleigh ride? I have I no know. idea. Did he Super just make long that up? Super long sleigh ride. You go around the whole island? Thing? It's not know. a big island. No, maybe you do the whole thing. Yeah, exactly. I think that's code for Dirty Sanchez. But uh, <laughs> we're going to take a very brief break and, fi- uh, a break and finish up with more uh, book club. You're listening to Reading Aloud. We're back. Uh, we're finishing up the book club. We've been talking about Richard Price, aka Harry Brant's The Whites. And uh, Nelson, you you recall a specific scene that brought you joy? Oh, right. <laughs> Just so, and this is Appleyard, which we were yeah. talking about before we came in the room. The guy who uh, won the lottery, and they told yeah. him to get out of town because they were going to fucking kill right, him. Yeah. Right. He died playing poker. He's clutching the cards in his dead craw, and. Uh, <laughs> The two CSU techs turn him over. They saw he was still holding his hand. Five cards clutched tightly in a frozen grip beneath his chin. What's he got? Billy asked. I love that. That's it. I mean, you know. Yeah. They go in. Yeah. I mean, it's funny because one of the techs carefully prized, uh, prized the arm away from the body. Aces and eights, just like Wild Bill. Bullshit. Whelan said, take a look. A pair of threes, you know, it's you assholes. Yeah. Uh, it's just <laughs> fucking around in the So, dude, yeah. right after that is a description that, 
continues to haunt me. Oh, my God. Which is when they describe his stab wounds and how a little piece of his intestine was creeping out. And Billy notices it and wants to get out of the room before it bursts. Because that's apparently what happens to a dead body when it's stabbed in the stomach. Oh, Jesus I found that so awfully haunting. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. It's so great that um, that poker scene is such a – I think that scene is written because it was a way to show – Another example that there is this sort of humor, this black humor that all of these detectives have to use to sort of manage this this industry. They're around death. They're around the lowest of the low, the darkest of the dark. And to deal with that, you have to bring some sort of gallows humor to yeah, it. Right. And I love that that happened all the time. It doesn't matter what the scene was, whether it was the guy, you know, the frozen dude <laughs> getting his picture taken yeah. or, uh, or the poker scene. I love that there's all of this sort of gallows humor that they just can't, you know, they can't do without. Yeah. Uh, one of the reviews that I read said that, um, I think this was the New York Review of Books, I think, they talked about how um, there's so much there's so much darkness that these detectives deal with that they can't help but take some of it home with them. Yeah. And you spend your entire life around this this division of society that you can't help but have it infect you because all of these detectives become murderers themselves. Yeah. Yeah. Like you can't, you can't get away. Like it's going to infect you and it's almost like they see that it's okay. They spend all their lives saying that murder is wrong and that that all these people need to go to jail forever and yet they commit the same crime and feel like it's okay. Because it's valid, because it's justice. Yeah. But at because the same time, even Pat, yeah, yeah, right. And right. Pavlicek even at one point says, "You think I don't know? There's not consequences for this." Yeah. He's like, "So let me face them." Yeah. When Billy's calling him out and saying, "Like I'm gonna," he's like, yeah. "You have a week to lawyer up." Yeah. And he's like, "Fine." He's like, "That's fine. Let's just have it over with." Pavlicek is such a heartbreaking character. Yeah. I really love that scene when he comes. He just shows up at their house randomly, and Billy's like, "So, what do we owe? Yeah. You know, <laughs> what, what? Why? What's going on here?" And he sort of doesn't answer the question. He's like, hey, look who's here when their kid walks into the kitchen. And Billy is on edge. Like, does he think I know that he's one of the murderers and I'm going to bring him to jail? And then it's sort of revealed that his son is dying of leukemia. And in the way that it's, oh, give me fucking chills. The way that Carmen responds as an, and it's, and Price describes her like as a nurse who sees everything. And in that moment, she's like moved to tears. Like she just like bursts out crying. Nurses don't cry about fucking anything. You can just fall down dead in front of them. They're never moved because they have to see it all. And yet this father, father who's basically saying like, my, my son is dying. To see her, it made it so more enormous because Carmen cried right and, and she is, was trying to put a good spin on it she's like with yeah, that yeah. type of leukemia yeah yeah, yeah and right. then she just stops shuts oh, it down it's no, so good I'm not gonna bullshit this guy this is the same kid who survived being the drowning attempts from his like psychotic mother when he was a little oh, kid oh jeez yeah I, I mean, forgot about this that this book is fucking this book, crazy this book sucks <laughs> <laughs> man there is so much detailed darkness. It's in unreal, this man. Thing. I, yeah, it makes me want to read more crime drama. Although I'm afraid it's not nearly it's as not good as this. No, well, I'm definitely gonna read more of this guy. You have to yeah. read. Your next one has to be, if I may, Lush Life. Okay. Read Lush Life. It's about the gentrification of the Lower East Side. Yeah. 
and how all these like hipster bars start opening up and a hipster is murdered. And the city, you know, because it's a white kid, the whole city fucking goes crazy and the parents go crazy and it's front page of the news. And the neighborhood's like, if this was a black kid or a Latino kid, this wouldn't even make the fucking news. This is bullshit. You're taking over. This is our neighborhood. And it's basically a whole sort of, you know, um, it's his response to gentrification in the Lower East Side. But if you spent any time in New York, which both of you have, mm-hmm. um, it's just, it's fucking great. So Lush Life is is in my opinion, if you like this stuff, it's a must read. It's so good. Um, any, uh, we're, we'll, we'll finish it up and with any uh, closing thoughts that you guys had about mm. Richard Price's The Price is Right. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, that's amazing. Good one. We, uh, yeah. Oh, just the cool thing about... Milton Ramos targeting peripheral people to their oh, lives. Yeah, so the blood, the, no, not the the red paint. Yeah, oh, was God. sick. The description of him whirling it around like a like a fucking uh, hammer discus. discus. Oh, yeah, hammer throw. Yeah, right. And, and throwing oh the bag. Full yeah, of, yeah, yeah, full of. But red. just targeting like you know her brother. Yeah. Their kids. Someone else was that it? And then no, and then oh the and dad. then uh, they picked up the dad. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. They picked up the dad, and then the reporter's husband gets beaten up. Oh yeah. And it's totally right. unrelated, but yeah. he has to. He's so paranoid he's like is this connected right and so you, you just know that he's in his head at that point and yeah he he can't separate what's who this guy is what's, yeah. what's his motive is he yeah. gonna go far out and then come back in close and i found that just a milton really ramos is such <clears throat> such an amazing fucking character yeah and again like what we said before the way that price like pulls out his chapters and just entitles them Milton Ramos. <laughs> yes. Yeah, back to hell. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so good. It's so fucking great. What is your What are your closing closing thoughts, Nelson, on this book? Uh, <clears throat> Should people I, go out and buy it at their local bookstore? Sure, I bought mine at um, Sky. Oh my God, yeah, uh, Skylight. 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 That's where I bought mine. I'm yeah, live right down the street from there. You yep. support your local bookstore. This is a great exactly. book. You know, <clears throat> I want to thank you for having me on the show because I hadn't read a book in a long time. It's been like six <laughs> yeah. months. And I was like, oh, I got to read something for homework. And I'm like, fuck, now I'm going to start reading again. Oh, I'm so Thank glad. You. Well, uh, I'll, have, I'll have you back on another book club. We'll um, continue the momentum. I'm going to read one little part here. Please that do. That I marked it with a post-it note. Please. It's just some random crime that doesn't add to the plot. Like you were saying, these really cool crimes. Two guys tried to, to rob each other and they both shot each other dead in the street. Oh, yeah. And this is one of the like peripheral uh, officers he says, um, yeah, they decided to jack each other at the same time. It's all on camera, and we recovered the guns. Spy versus spy, except they're both black, Mayo said, oh, having God. filled his word quota for the night, <laughs> stepping to the corner for a smoke. So my question to you, boss, Dupac said, is are they perps or victims? Billy thought a moment. They're perptims. And that's Dedicated going to finish, to, yeah. that's going <laughs> to finish our book club. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to uh, Reading Aloud. We've been talking about Richard Price's The Whites. And uh, it's time to announce the next book for the book club. This is a very different book. So, Griffin, (laughs) I'm I'm listening to you, and we're going to change it up. Uh, We're going to go back a little and read a classic. We have yet to do that. So we're going to read F. Scott Fitzgerald's Tender is the Night, uh, about the lost generation, the 20s, partying on the French Riviera, love and craziness. He's a spectacular, like he's a notorious drunk 
Fitzgerald is the fucking greatest. Mm-hmm. So we're going to read Tender is the Night. I sh- was supposed to read this in college, my freshman year, and I didn't because I wasn't interested in going to school. <laughs> so now I'm going to go to school. <laughs> so go to school with us. Pick up F. Scott Fitzgerald's Tender is the Night. Read it and share your thoughts with us um, either on Twitter at uh, Reading Aloud Pod or you can email us at readingaloudpodcast at gmail.com. Also, another live show is coming up on Sunday, April 12th at the UCB, uh, the UCB Franklin at 7.30. We have a running, we have a six-month run now every second Sunday of the month at 7.30 at the UCB. Come down and be a part of the show. And also, we've just... um, I've just found a venue for our first live book club, which is going to be happening at Skylight Books, which we both, we all bought our books at. That'll be this summer, so we'll have a, we'll announce the book in, I think, May or June. Um, but uh, we'll be able to come down, come together, and then all go to the Dresden next door and drink. It'll be a great time. Thanks so much for listening to Reading Aloud. We'll be back next Friday with more. Goodbye. Oh, you hit me like a hurricane Wolf Pop is part of Midroll Media, executive produced by Adam Sachs, Matt Gorley, and Paul Shear.